It's time for Bring in the Heat with Brian Nolan. Oh boy, welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, a brand new era of this program. Yes, folks, we are bringing the heat. All of the fresh and hot takes of the NASC world is going to be brought to you here on this program. Now, it's going to be a little different. We're going to be doing some segments. We're not going to be previewing and recapping every single race. We're going to be doing some segments, some sound bites, some um, final segments. We're, occasionally, we're going to have multiple guests, but they're going to be at the start of the program each and every single week. You don't have to wait 20 minutes to hear what a certain driver have to, has to say. You're going to hear it in minute number one. Yes, folks, bring in the heat is brand new. It's going to be amazing. What better way to start out with than my man, Mr. Dalton Hopkins. He's going to be joining the program. We're going to be diving in to Shane Van Gessebergen. Probably mispronounced his name. Do not care. I'm just going to say SVG from now on. We're going to be diving into uh, my man, Stephen Stats, Stephen Stumpf. Um, he's going to be on each and every single week to deliver all the latest and greatest in the world of NASCAR statistics. And then, last but not least, Mr. Josh Berry, the newest driver of the number four car. He's going to be talking with yours truly. We chatted about a plethora of topics at Chicago, so we're going to play that in its entirety. So let's just go ahead and play that interview right now. Now it's time for Josh Berry. Welcome to the club. You are a winner in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. To go into the inferno with Brian. Perfect. Three, two, and one. Right now, folks, at this time, going to bring in the program. Driver of the number eight car for Junior Motorsports. Moving up to the Cup Series next year, but focusing on the Xfinity Series. Josh Berry joining the program. Josh, how's it going this afternoon? Or should you say this afternoon, this evening, whatever you want to call it. Oh, it's, uh, it's going good. Been quite the experience so far here in Chicago, um, but you know, I think that um, it's been pretty cool to be a part of, and um, you know, the track's pretty fun. It's gonna be, you know, the race is gonna be a challenge, but we feel like we can just race like we know how and stay out of trouble that we can get solid finish today. What what is this like? Obviously, uh, you grew up you grew up in the short track side of things, but this is brand new, not just for you, but for everybody. So just. How, how do you describe what you guys have been racing on in practice and qualifying so far? Yeah, it's just um, really unique, right? I think just the, just the course layout and the, all the transitions over the different styles of pavement, right? It's just a challenge kind of figuring all of that out. And it's a lot of risk versus reward, I think, at this point. Um, especially this morning, you know, working through... Uh, you know, working through practice and, and qualifying. It's a little damp at the beginning, so just mainly I think today is going to be about keeping your car in one piece. I think we're going to see a lot of attrition, I feel like, and if you do that, you, you can make something out of the day. Obviously not the season that you've wanted so far. Just how would you assess it from your side of things? Yeah, we've struggled. Um, you know, we had a couple, we've had a couple good runs here and there, but it's been two hit or miss, um, and, you know, struggled on the intermediates, which was really, um, really strong suit for us last year so um, we got a lot of work to do to figure that stuff out um, we're going through kind of a summer stretch here it's gonna be a lot of different racetracks and road courses and 
super speedways and stuff, but you know, really, we're, we know once we get to the playoffs, we got we, we know where we need to get better, and, and, and that's where our main focus is. Josh Berry joins the programmer. Obviously, you're no stranger to the Cup Series, but when I ask people, what is the best racing? Everybody says the Xfinity Series. So why is the Xfinity Series, most of the time, always the best race when it's all said and done? Well, I just think the package and the cars are, are, um, are just, it just works, right? I just think how the, how the cars drive and, and uh, just, uh, it works well. So I think that's that's nice. And, and you, know, you just have a lot of, a lot of you know, good drivers, hungry drivers trying to prove themselves at this level. We've kind of always seen that over the years with this, this level. So um, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun for sure. The race has been a lot of fun. transition to cup so when you get to cup you know there's less mistakes happening by drivers and sometimes maybe that's not as quite entertaining now you, you've served as a crew chief for Dell Jr. in uh, the short track days last week you, you were Kyle Larson's crew chief what, what, what was that like and then what was the biggest difference between those uh, between Larson and then Jr. as the driver yeah I mean it was fun it's always fun to go do stuff like that and, and work with Kyle was was a great opportunity for me to kind of just see how he operates and um, you know, it was a lot of fun. Like I said, it's, every time we've went and done that, it's been a, it's been a good time. Obviously, both the uh, Hall of Famers, or future Hall of Famers, one's in the Hall of Fame, Kyle will be in the Hall of Fame one day. So, just a great opportunity for us, and, and even that late model program to, to, to run those races. Any more uh, crew chief in uh, late model in the future for you? Oh, I don't know. Um, we don't really have any plans. I hope to race the thing a couple times before before I obviously transition to 2024, but we'll just have to see how it goes. Got two more questions for you. Obviously, when you do work as a crew chief, does that give you and your crew chief uh, more of a, uh, a little bit more of a notebook for you? Basically, what um, you need as a crew chief, you can apply it to your crew chief here. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. It's just that style of racing is so much different than this, you know, that it's, I'm not really sure much translates, but... You know, just yeah, as a person, it gives you a great opportunity to work with different people and just learn. And not, and um, it, uh, I think for me, it's you know, it's a similar experience to what I've had over the years. You know, when I was racing late models from the time. So yeah, you know, all in all, it's just kind of part of it. Last but not least, you kind of mentioned this before, but we'll, we'll uh, circle it back. What do you guys need to improve on, not just to get those top tens, top fives, but to get back into victory lane? Yeah, we just, um, you know, we had had a lot of messy races. I think just having issues, you know, mistakes I've made, mistakes on pit road, and things, some some of that. But really, we just just kind of lack speed. Um, it's just hard. I can't get the car. You know, we. Struggled to get the car balanced with the rules changes from last year. Um, we were struggling with that on the intermediates, the faster places. The cars just been been trending, you know, just just really loose almost every race. And just uh, trying to trying to get our arms around that. I think if we can we can start make make some progress there. Then hopefully we can have our ducks in a row by the time the playoffs start. Last one, really really fast. More carnage this week or next week? I think both. Um, <laughs> You know, it's, it's both, both. I mean, it's hard to see these road course races in the Xfinity Series can, can be wild. Sometimes they're not, but, you know, they definitely can be my, be wild. But Atlanta, you know, that, we're, that there's, they're standing a pretty good chance of, of being hauled in the wall there for sure. Josh Berry joins the front stretch program.
That was Going Into the Inferno with Josh Berry. Once again, big thanks to Casey Herschel of JR Motorsports. Uh, I, I talked with the junior motorsports rep at, at Sonoma, and we were trying to get this, and one thing led to another. We, just, we couldn't connect, so I was like, hey, hey, Casey, can we, can we talk in Chicago? And he said, sure, man. Don't know where, but but let, let's go for it. And um, so, so big thanks to Casey and big thanks to Josh for taking some time. Trey, set the music. Let's talk and dive into what's still hot. What's still hot? It's time to upgrade you on the latest news in NASCAR. What is still hot? And I know this man is still hot, you know, in, in, in bro terms. In, in bro terms. Um, you can find him on the Twitter at PitLaneLT. My man, he's a great friend, a great compadre, and an even better reporter, Mr. Dalton Hopkins. DH, what's going on, brother? How you doing, buddy? What's going on, man? I'm ready to get this thing kicked off. I'm ready to get started with this this new era of podcast. We, when you when you asked me to be on this podcast, this Bring in the Heat podcast, I was like, we got another one coming on? <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's a, I'm excited, man. I'm ready to get this going. We got so much to talk about. And there is, you know, it's when you call it what's still hot because there are a lot of things that are still hot, my friend, from Chicago. We got a lot to talk about here. Oh, yes. Before we dive in, one more thing that is still hot, that is the racing at Pocono Raceway. The episode of Bringing the Heat is brought to you by Pocono Raceway. The racing action returns to Pocono as the Arkham Menards Series, the Truck Series, Xfinity Boys, and the NASCAR Cup Series take to the track Friday, July the 21st through Sunday, July the 23rd. Bring the whole family as kids 12 and under are free and come celebrate 50 years of NASCAR racing at the Tricky Triangle. For tickets, visit PoconoRaceway.com or call 1-800-722-3929. Pocono Raceway, it's where you want to be. Dalton, for the first time, Shane Van Ginsbergen, I think I pronounced his name correctly. I did not even uh, practice it or anything. I'm proud of myself. Anyway, five days before he dove into a race car in Chicago, SVG Shane Van Ginsbergen, didn't even touch a NASCAR Cup Series car. Dalton, six days later, he is in victory lane for Track House and Project 91. The Kiwi gets it done. How big is this for NASCAR? And then on the long-term side of things, does this hurt or help NASCAR? Because this guy had less than a week's experience in this new, quote-unquote, new, next-gen car, and he stomped the field. He, he absolutely did. You know, I'll tell you a brief, a brief anecdote. Three years ago, uh, when I was when I was such a wee lad, when I, when I was a wee Dalton Hopkins uh, working for IMSA, um, oh. I was working for IMSA back then. And this is before the pandemic. And when the pandemic did finally hit in 2020, we had the iRacing series uh, going on, as so many other motorsports did at that time to kind of supplement the the lack of racing. And every week, we, t- we treated every race, every iRacing race, as if it was an actual race day. And every single week, Shane Van Gisbergen was in the top three. He just absolutely annihilated the field every single week. It was a different, it was a, usually a different couple of top two guys, but Shane Van Gisbergen would always be in the top three. 
every single week. I can't remember if he actually won a race or not. I think he might have. He, I would not be surprised if he, at all if he did. <laughs> but I remember back then thinking this guy is going to be great in the future. We're going to see a, see a lot more of him. I would love to see him in a stock car to see what he could do. Fast forward to this year, when Project 91 finally announced that he was going to be in their stock car, I was like, wow, this guy's going to be tough. And I knew it because it's a street race. A lot of drivers don't have a lot of experience on street races. We had a couple that did, but this guy does it for a living. He races in the streets of Australia for a living. So at the same time, though, I'm not that surprised that he was so good, but I also am a little bit, I am a little bit surprised that he was as good as he was because the fact that he came from, what was it, Brian, uh, 18th to first, I think in, in like, what, what was it like 12 laps or something? Probably a little bit less than that, but or probably a little bit more than that, but still what an, an, an impressive feat to go against the world's best stock car drivers. We've had F1 drivers. We've had Indy car drivers. We've had sports car racers come into the sport on road courses and they still struggle. SVG, came in and whooped him that's that is the shocking part to me is that he did it's almost like he didn't struggle at all he came in and whooped everybody and not to mention 12th uh excuse me 18th to first and he still had time to spare five laps to go when he took the lead i'm telling you man that guy is more than just a good road racer he's a good driver all around it doesn't matter he is basically the new zealand version of tony stewart Wow, that's a that that is a hot take. We talked about that with Artie Kempner on Happy Hour, and uh, he he was quizzing uh, Trey as well as Massey and I um, about that, and all three of us said Tony Stewart, um, and and it was correct. With that being said, I mean, I, I was I was at the ninety one pit box. Michael Massey was at the thirty one. I was texting Massey. I was like, look at the lap times. Justin Haley, who was leading at the, at when when it was like under I think twelve laps to go, uh, he was running a one thirty one lap. I was looking at Shane Van Ginsbergen. SVG was running a 129. SVG was two full seconds faster than the leader. I mean, it was incredible. And um, he he was talking in his post-race presser about, like, how he was getting so much time. And he said he knew how to get speed off the corner and the the distance, how close he had to get from the wall. And uh, that's how he made so much made up so much of his time it was absolutely incredible um to watch and um but but going back though when when chase elliott says we 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 got we got uh we got to look ourselves in the mirror um kyle bush says that we just got schooled today is that a good thing though when when you got a guy that just comes in here i mean yes dalton he had tons of experience and everything is that a good thing that that Every single NASCAR guy just got schooled. Now, sure, it wasn't a road course or even an oval, God forbid, an oval. But, I mean, is this a bad thing in the long run? Well, yeah, there's two sides to this, right? There's one side of it that says, yes, the fact that Shane Van Gisbergen was here and he won on a in, on a, in a record-breaking uh, ratings race, and we'll get to that here in a second, I'm sure, but – you know, on a record-breaking record-breaking ratings race, the fact that he won and it was such an outsider win, first-time win, history-making. We'll get into this. So many stats come out of this. We'll get into that later with Steven. But this win means so much to the sport, for one. But on the other side, like you said, Chase Elliott said, yeah, we're gonna. he's going to go back home and make fun of us. He's going to go back home and tell all of his friends how bad we were. 
And you know what? I, I first off, I don't think Shane is that kind of guy. He doesn't seem like the oh. kind of guy that's going to go back and do that. And realistically, they're not going to do. May, maybe like jokingly, but not really. Because they know, like, they're NASCAR drivers, and this was the first ever street race in Cup Series history. These guys don't do street races, so this is the first time they've done it. So really, when you think about it, these Cup Series guys came on to the Supercars turf, and they tried it out rather than SVG coming into the NASCAR turf, if you really think about it that way. So... I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's more of a good thing than it is a bad thing. I would say 70-30. Like, yes, there are going to be F1 fans out there that look at this and go, oh, ha-ha, the, the stock car drivers got beat by a New Zealander in, in his very first race. Whatever. Okay, well, in that case, like, let's take a look at Juan Pablo Montoya. Let's take a look at Marcos Ambrose. I can list all a bunch of names of guys that struggled when they first got to NASCAR. SVG's a phenom, and a lot of people are going to know that. Overall, this is a good thing for NASCAR. One thing that was also good, Mr. Dalton Hopkins, how about the ratings, my friend? I'm looking at an email that I got um, from Monday, July the 3rd, 2023 from NBC PR. The Chicago Cup Series Street Race is NBC Sports' most watched NASCAR race in six years. Their coverage of the first ever NASCAR Cup Series City Street Race from Chicago averaged a total audience delivery of 4.795 million viewers. This is the most watched NASCAR Cup race on NBC in six years since Indy in 2017 and the eighth most watched race under its current rights agreement, up 144% than last year when they went to Road America. And then Adam Stern of the Sports Business Journal also uh, tweeted out earlier today that Chicago in itself got a 9.3 local rating for NASCAR, more than three times higher what the market registered for this year's Daytona 500. Nielsen ratings estimates that 9.3% of households with TVs in Chicago, the third largest market in America, watch this street race. That is a huge number. I don't know which stat is better. That first one or the one I just read, but every single NASCAR executive has to be thrilled with that number, Mr. Dalton Hopkins. I know I'm thrilled with it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thrilled with that number myself. I mean, I I honestly, I really don't know what on earth brought it upon people to watch this race because NASCAR has tried so many things in the past to, to get new viewers uh, like a dirt race, a race and uh, a road course inside of an oval track, uh, so many different things to get new viewers, and they they kind of worked, but they they didn't really like break records like this one did. So I kind of wonder what on earth did people watch in the previews, the marketing that NBC put out for this street race, and they thought, oh, that looks great, I'm gonna watch this. But as the race went on, I kind of realized it because. I got three separate texts from people that don't that aren't NASCAR fans, but they know. Of course, they know that I am. They know they know what I do for a living. So they text me and say, "Hey, this street race is something else. The street race is this is this is so cool. This is everything. I can't believe they're doing this and everything like that." And I'm like, "Wow, like this is reaching a pretty big audience." So, you know. I think the fact that they're doing this, I think the fact that they did this and it was so successful, you know, I would be, it would be stupid not to do it again. It, it would be, it, it would be so 
you have to wonder why on earth would you not try it again if you did Bristol Dirt again, if you did the Charlotte Roval again, if you did all these other wacky ideas again, aside even though the ratings weren't, you know, record breaking, things like that. So, you know, this stuff, this new thing that they tried out, it worked great to to perfection. And not to mention, by the way, let me let, let me let me also mention these were the ratings in a rain delay. There was a rain yeah. delay for this race. Mm-hmm. And pe- that many people still tuned in. I wonder how many people it would have been before the if the rain delay didn't happen. That's how successful this race was. And we got to I mean we got to bring it back at this point. Now, do they bring it back or do they go somewhere like city of Los Angeles, street to Long Beach? Do they go both? Do they go Chicago and Long Beach, Chicago and LA? Do they go Denver, Seattle? where do you see this? You know, if you would ask me, if you would ask me last week, I probably would have said, yes, let's do long beach. In fact, as a matter of fact, I did during the happy hour <laughs> podcast. But uh, if you would ask me last week, I would have said, yes, the long beach. Yeah. Long beach. Let's do street race in long beach because they want us there. They would like us there and everything like that. But I have to wonder if people would actually really watch that race as opposed with knowing that IndyCar already races there, there's already a race there. Whereas Chicago, there wasn't really a street race there beforehand. And we kind of took that market with the third largest market in the United States. And we kind of came there and we kind of got that market, the street race market. So I kind of have to wonder, you know, would that work again at a place like Long Beach? I don't really know because there's already a market there. How do you capture a market of race fans that's or that already exists so i i don't know where you would go next i hope you know i a little bit of part of me kind of wishes that chicago does decide to renew the contract and decide to come back let them come back next year but if they don't i mean i don't really know what market you you want to go capture after that yes denver sounds great um, that's a market that you could ter- certainly capture, but I'm not sure how much better it would do than Chicago because I think Chicago's the, again, the third largest market in the United States. It's not as good, as, not as big of a market as Chicago is. So I don't really know where you go with that. You know, of course, the fantasy part of me is like, yeah, let's do New York, but you know, there's there's a <laughs> lot more that goes into that. So I I, I don't know, but uh, a part of me just kind of hopes that they go back to Chicago again next year and. SVG comes back again next year and you know he ends up just putting on another clinic. I would love for them to go to New York, but I think realistically and my my preferred number one option, I would love to go see them to go to Denver. I mean, that is it's a hop, skip, and a jump of a flight to Denver. It's where I, I can I get my connecting flights most of the time. And I would love to see downtown Denver. Um, I mean, it would be super, super fun. Um, one thing that's going to be super, super fun is Dalton Hopkins. You are going to be live and in person covering this upcoming weekend's races at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Um, however, I do have to um, say those four dreaded words. One of them that starts with, uh, the first one that starts with an R and ends with AIN. That means rain is in the forecast. Um, looking better for Saturday, not better for Sunday. However, these are night races, 40% and 55% chances, respectively. How does this change the racing that we could see upcoming this upcoming weekend at Atlanta? I don't think it changes anything. Oh. Really? I, I, I really don't. I, I, 
you know, look, this, this, the race at Atlanta, the way it is right now with super speedway racing, the way it's pack racing, basically, you know, has rain ever really changed it that drastically to where it changes up how drivers, you know, manipulate the race at all. Uh, you know, at Atlanta, I the way it is right now, I mean, look at Daytona, look at Talladega. You think, has Daytona ever really changed the way that it is, you know, after a bunch of rain, after a rain, you know, makes the track green? Not really. Uh, you know, I, I don't really see that happening at all. So that, you know, that said, I, I think the night racing, the way it's going to be right now, you know, I think we'll probably see some less tire issues. Uh, than what we did last year, because last year we saw quite a few tire issues at Atlanta. So I'm kind of interested to see, you know, if that changes anything at all. But I think when it comes to having, you know, if we have to change anything up when it comes to if we have to delay a race, if we have to postpone a race to a daytime event, which God forbid, we probably will. Um, (laughs) If we end up changing a, a night race to a daytime race, it'll probably be look just be exactly the same as it's been and we'll probably see a few tire issues but honestly the way the atlanta is right now i think it's just going to be exactly the same as it always has been so last but not least it was announced uh we recorded this on wednesday so it was it was announced this morning that marco andretti the indycar uh former indycar driver or or i should say part-time current indycar driver and then srx champion is going to be driving number seven truck for uh, Spire Motorsports with uh, help from HendrickCars.com as well as Gainbridge um, this upcoming weekend in Mid-Ohio. A little bit of a surprise. We saw him last year in the Xfinity Series at the Roval, um, but he as well as Connor Daly will be re- making the race. But back to Marco, what are the realistic expectations for Marco, and could we see him more down the pipeline um, just since he bas- it was kind of a just came out of the blue with, with this news? This is only the beginning. <laughs> this is only the beginning. I think we're going to see the Andretti name a lot more often around in the NASCAR okay. garage here in the next coming years. And everyone listening, everyone listening it already knows it, already knows that this is the beginning of something else. This is the beginning of something new for the Andretti name. You know, they've been trying to break into F1 for the last couple of years now, and F1's just pushing, pushing back, pushing back, pushing back. But now we're seeing Marco get into you know joining spire motorsports which is of course is another uh race team that does a lot of outreach there's a lot of drivers that come from outside race teams hendrick motorsports is a big name you know that comes down and you know they they run their spire motorsports trucks so i think spire is becoming a little bit of the landing zone maybe the testing ground of andretti autosports and that being said Yes, I think we're going to see a, maybe not Marco Andretti specifically, but oh. we're going to see a lot more of that gain bridge. Of course, we are because they're going to be sponsoring Corey LaJoy in the 77 car as well. But, True. you know, we're going to see a lot more of the gain bridge sponsorship. We're going to be seeing a lot more of Andretti Autosport uh, um, uh, affiliation with other teams in the NASCAR Cup Series and NASCAR Truck Series, whatever, what have you. But they're going to be involved. They're going to be a lot more involved here. And when it comes to this weekend for Marco's, uh, for, for Marco's performance, you know, uh, last year I'd probably would have said, nah, that, uh, or I guess two years ago, I can't remember, but I would probably would have said, nah, he's probably not, he's probably going to run maybe top 15, top 20, I would expect. 
But now I, I kind of am reminded, thanks to the SRX series, I'm kind of reminded, hey, Marco's actually kind of a decent driver. Uh, he, right? He's actually he kind of knows his stuff. He's actually pretty good at this. So maybe top 10. Uh, I, I don't expect him to win, but top 10 performance, I think, will be pretty good. But then again, we did just get reminded last weekend that some of these outside guys, uh, outside road racers, sometimes they can put a hurting on, the, on, our, on our NASCAR regulars. So... You know, who knows? But uh, I, I, my guess is probably top 10 for Marco. And when it comes to Andretti, we're going to see a lot more of that name. And maybe we're going to see a lot more of Marco making starts uh, in the NASCAR in NASCAR. Now it is time for Steven Stump. He's got all the stats that you need to know. So let's dive on into Steven's sizzling stats. Steven Stump has all of the stats that you need to know ahead of this week's upcoming race. Here's Steven's sizzling stats. <laughs> oh, I just love these intros so much. I, I, I can't think. Um, is, that, is that Ed? Is that Ed Lane? It, Who is it, that? It, it, it is not. It is. Um, I, I got I'm, I'm getting my, my, my notes here. First off, Paul Van Wagner, he he oh did all of these voiceovers. So big thanks to Paul for all these fantastic job, and then big thanks Thank to you, Trey Paul. for editing. I mean, Trey's done a, gone above and beyond. So I can't thank Trey enough for this. Um, but uh, for those that are just listening for the first time, these are my first time reactions too. So I've never heard these, and that was absolutely incredible. So a big thanks to Paul as well as to Trey. Um, but but. Diving on into um, Steven's sizzling, sizzling stat, Steven Stump. Wow, that is a tongue twister if I've ever heard anything. First off, Steven, it is awesome that you're going to be a weekly segment. Always love talking to you, buddy. Thanks for coming on the program, and um, we're going to be talking with each other every week. I'm excited, dude. I'm excited. And when we're talking about stats, I feel like there's no greater weekend to start off with than the one we just had because there was exactly. historic records broken and there's just so much going on and obviously we've t we've talked all about it but shane van gisbergen won his debut the last time anyone won their cup debut was 60 years ago in 1963 it was johnny rutherford who won a daytona 500 qualifying race that's the last time it happened in the modern era, in the modern era it had always been uh mcmurray winning his in his second start at charlotte in 02 and trevor bain winning the 2011 500 his second start oh, yeah. That's, I mean, that was kind of like a record. It's like I didn't, I don't, I didn't think that would be that would have a chance of being broken, but sure enough, it did. And to top on with that, it was also the first uh, win for car number ninety-one in the Cup Series since nineteen fifty-three. So it's been seventy years since a ninety-one was in victory lane. And if I had to guess, that's the longest gap between wins in Cup Series history for a number. Steven, you got to mention the monkey. <laughs> did you mention the monkey? <laughs> the monkey he was he was in he was in the 91 car the last time it won Jocko Flacco <laughs> I'm dead serious You mean Tim Flock? Yeah, Tim Flock. No, the Tim Flock he had a monkey in the passenger seat. I did not know that. I'm dead serious. Steven, you're our stats guy. How can you not know this? Okay, but to, to, to be I'm, fair, that's what look, happens but, on <laughs> Anyway, uh, you got him all hot and bothered now here on the Flacco. first episode. Uh, I mean, go. but for the first time in 60 years, I mean, like, listen, I was talking with Massey and Daniel McFadden, who was also on the ground with us for Front Trash, as well as the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. 
And uh, we, we were talking and we were like, yeah, I think he can run up front, but I don't think he can win. I think he'll be a top three car. But I mean, I, I was shocked. And for the first time in 60 years, and it was well, well deserved. Um, Steven, what is stat number two, my friend? So I will have a couple more with SVG, and then we will head on into the Atlanta. So obviously, um, before SVG, Marvin Burke stood alone as being the only driver in NASCAR Cup Series history to be undefeated. Marvin Burke won his one race he started in 1951, and that was it. He never returned. SVG currently holds that honor as well, but from what we've heard, it sounds like he's going to be back for a lot more. Now he is also now he is also the um, the fifth international driver not from the U.S. to win. First was Earl Ross from Canada in 1974. Juan Pablo Montoya in 2007 from Colombia was next. Then it was Marcus Ambrose from Australia in 2011. Daniel Suarez from Mexico last year, and now SVG from New Zealand this year. Oh. New Zealand also became the 21st nationality represented in the cup level prior to this uh prior to this race a driver from new zealand had never made a cup start well what a way for, oh. what a way for new zealand to uh make a splash huh i didn't know that no one from new zealand has ever uh hasn't run in nascar before did you don't uh, yeah but it's only because steven tweeted it oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's only because i read it on his twitter in the Cup Series, at least. I did not check Xfinity. But yeah. if you want to know the nationalities that have run in the in the uh, the Cup Series throughout its history, they are, in alphabetical order, Australia, Belgium, Brazil, Canada, Colombia, Denmark, Finland, France, Germany, Israel, Italy, Japan, Mexico, the Netherlands, Peru, Russia, South Africa, Sweden, the United Kingdom, and the USA. All right. Yeah, wow. There's one. some countries on there that I don't... I was like, wow, really? Like Israel. I didn't know we had Israel. Alande. Hey. What there about Nur Ali? Yeah. Was he from Israel? He's from Pakistan, but he never made a cup start. See, honestly, when I need a stat, that's why I go to Steven. Because, like, bam, <laughs> he knows it within two seconds. Like, you would have asked a regular Joe Schmo where Nur Ali is from. They'd have been like, who's Nur Ali? But Steven yeah. knows it in the back of his head. It's, an, it's an unbelievable. Stephen, yeah. who was the Peruvian driver? Um, I'd have to go back. There were actually two of them. They were both in 1959. I'd have to I'd have to go back and find the names, but actually one of them made three starts and he finished in the top five twice. Huh. You know who you remind me of, Stephen? You remind me of young Sheldon. <laughs> it's a compliment. It's one of my favorite shows. I love it so much because he can just name off stats just like that. He's a genius. Okay. Well, say Bazinga. <laughs> now, two more things regarding SVG's win. Then we'll head on. Then we'll head head on. So it was also the first win for Darian Grubb as crew chief, who was who was the crew chief on the box for Tony Stewart's 2011 title. It was his first win since 2015 when he won the Southern 500 with Carl Edwards. It was his 24th win overall. Um, and prior to Project 91, and he was with Raikkonen for both of his starts as well. The last time he was a crew chief was with William Byron in 2018. So it's been a long time coming for him. And last last fun fact about SVG's win is that he is actually the first driver born in 1989 to win a cup race. From There were stars in the early 80s. There's been a bunch of stars in the 90s. But 86, the late 80s, there just wasn't much star 
of drivers born in the late 80s, there wasn't much star power. In fact, before SVG, the only other driver born between 1986 and 1989 to win a race was Stenhouse, who was born in 87. Okay. Okay. Now, now we head into Xfinity. I'm going to touch on this brief. I normally wouldn't touch on this, but, I mean, there was a bunch of records set there as well. So, I mean, obviously, it was, it was only 25 laps to the 55. Cole Custer led every single one. It was the first time since uh, 2015 when Joey Logano led all 300 laps at Bristol that a driver led every lap in Xfinity race. It was also the shortest, and this is credit to Dalton Hopkins, who found the stat first. It's the shortest Xfinity race in series history at only 55 miles. So, def- definitely, I mean, and obviously, and it was called before the halfway or before they reached stage two, which fell under NASCAR's, you know, unprecedented circumstances clause. So even if it wasn't the right history, a lot of history was made in the Saturday race before the cup race. Hey, hey, hey Stephen, l- let me ask you real fast. So so this is the first race in the Xfinity Series uh, since, what did you say, 2015? Joey Logano yeah. led every lap? Yes. So the first, first one since stage racing? Yes. Oh, oh. that's you're correct. Well, yeah, yeah, I wonder if that's the same for every series. I believe it. Actually, you got a project for you now. I, believe- uh, I, want, I want the results starting next I'm week. I'm so okay. sorry, Stephen. I've gave you. I've given you homework. Yeah, I think it's off the top of my head, actually, the last time a cup, a cup, a driver led every lap in a cup race was Jeff Burton in 2000 at New Hampshire. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Race. Mm. Before that, it was no. Kelly Arrow in 1978 at the Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. So we have to look at the truck well, series. The truck. Yeah. I believe the last one. I, I'd have to maybe look it up, but I believe the last one was in 2012. When Timothy Peters led all 204 laps at Bristol, I believe Surprised that it wasn't Kyle Busch. Same. <laughs> it, 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 it There's a hell of a stat. It, it mind boggles me that Stephen can know all this. I mean, he is a gift from God for 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 me. Like, <laughs> I can't I can, keep up, like, man. I, it's un, like I can I, I I just text him and he knows it. Like he's <laughs> he's, he's, wa- he's a walking book. It's unbelievably awesome. It's really <laughs> the sequ- ace up the sleeve the trump card of front stretch for real though it's so awesome steven one uh what do you got for me for atlanta bro so it's the night race there might there may be rain there may not be rain what's interesting though is looking at, there's this is the second year of the new atlanta with a lot of you know drafting kind of that daytona talladega ish feel and what's interesting is to look at the teams that dominated last year and the teams that dominated this year well, first of all, in which is kind of unusual for Daytona and Talladega, the winner of the three cup races held at the new Atlanta, all of them led the most laps. So the dominant car won each time. And which is, you know, again, we consider how chaotic Daytona and Talladega can be with that kind of racing. That is somewhat of a surprise. But if you look at last year, you also know that Chevrolet dominated Atlanta. Byron led the most laps and won in the spring. Chase Elliott dominated led the most laps in the summer ross chastain finished second in both races it was basically a chevrolet party out front this year in atlanta however it was it was all ford ford led 199 of the 260 laps the top two finishers were joey logano and brad kozlowski who did the majority of that logano had uh led 140 had it in his only win his title defense so far and it's still only one of the two wins that ford has this entire season so going based off of that and that with Ford being so far behind, it wouldn't be surprised to see that they focus on Atlanta more. So my, my kind of, I think going into this race, I think it's going to be kind of similar to the races we've had in the past. 
but I think it's going to be a lot more forward up front. So my prediction is that the Blue Ovals will be back for their third victory this season. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you know, I was thinking last week when SVG won, I was like, wow, what a surprise winner. And I kind of thought, wow, we're going to Atlanta next weekend. Probably going to get a surprise 